0: Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon.
1: When Napoleon lamented, our soldiers were totally demoralized. Some scattered about and fell victim to the enemy. Others just laid down, fell asleep, and died. Was he talking about the great Russian winter that many believe led to his greatest defeat in 1812? Or was he talking about the effect on his army of another pointless, pesky, useless international break? This is for you to decide, dear, wonderful, beautiful listener, as I welcome you once again to carpon a podcast dedicated to the worldwide LFC family, and that includes you. Hello, so my name is Owen. You can follow us on Twitter at CopOnPodcast or you can send us your rewritings of history to coponpodcast at gmail.com. Today I'm joined by Karen in India and Brian in Hong Kong and I'm very happy to bring you this lovely long discussion we have about what's going to happen for the Rocket Reds after the international break and also we're going to uh, talk about the lovely news about dear Virgil van Dyke. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I do hope you enjoy. Here we are. So thank you very very much to Brian, who's in Hong Kong, and Karen, who's in India, for joining me in this international break. I mean, I, I, it's I, I put on Twitter, uh, you know, people to send me the gifts that best sum up their emotions about this international break, and there were a lot of sad gifts, a lot of lonely cartoon characters that summed up. You know, and people crying and people don't, not knowing what to do with their lives. I don't know. Um, Karen. I'm going to start with you. What are you doing this international break? What's What's been, you know, how how do you survive without the might of the Rocket
2: Reds? It's easier when just take your mind off it. Um, there are plenty of things to do. Just look around. You'll have a lot of things to do. You can clean your room. You can You have work. Um, eat, sleep, this this sort of things to do. I'm lucky that this international break uh, the festival uh, started as soon as the break started so uh, all these seven days I was busy in the celebrations we come home very late around 10 30 11 so pretty much the whole day has gone that way um, and all you have to do is at the end of the night is just make your bed and go to sleep and fortunately i also had a lot of study to do so i was doing both of those things and all the international breaks i'm never sad i'm actually really happy that um, our players get a chance to represent uh, the, the countries and um, i'm not always sad but only if they get injured and uh, i'm hopeful that this international break no one's getting injured so all the international breaks, I'm always happy. I just don't wonder why people are so sad.
1: Well, it's a lovely answer, and uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that you're happy. To be honest, yeah. I mean, you're obviously not a fan of Wales, Karen, like me, or Malta, because they're my two international teams. And watching, you know, Malta. I mean, if Malta wins a match, it's a national holiday. And uh, you know, because because and Wales. I mean, now with Ryan Giggs in charge. I mean, if you look into his eyes. It's just just my opinion. Don't sue me. But there's just, there's just, it's just vacant. It's just vacant inside Ryan Giggs' mind. You would think of, you know, 20 years at the top of. British football he would he would have he would know how to set up a team but anyway watching Wales Azerbaijan as I did the other day it just wasn't much fun but you're right Karen there's a lot more to life Brian what about you have you been I don't know engaging in 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 the rest of your life outside football how's it been for you yeah well
0: uh, as soon as the international uh, window starts I fire up football manager, (laughs) pretend to be Stephen Gerrard at that hole called Rangers. Fabulous. Uh, (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Reacquaint myself with, with the wife and two children, you know, introduce myself once (laughs) again, uh, tell them who I am. Um, you know, it's, uh. I don't know. I, I think it's a nice, it's a nice break actually from football. Because it's when, when it's on, it's just on full stop. You know the, the 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 game, the pregame, the podcast, the the social media. It's just. Uh, the 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 title race is, is almost starts from day one. So when these come around, like Karen said, um, the only thing that I'm thinking of is injuries. I'm just like hoping beyond hope that nobody nobody comes back with an injury. But other than that, I mean, I I I'm Irish, so <laughs> we we haven't had a good team for a long time. So uh, I tend to just kick back uh, and, and, and take it easy and, and count the days down till
1: when. Newcastle
0: is coming around.
1: Yes, exactly. And it's not, it's not too far. I mean, now it's Sunday we're recording this. Newcastle is uh, six days away, Saturday, September the 14th. It's an early kickoff, which is a blessing because, you know, we don't have to wait that extra hour and a half or even longer. Uh, so Liverpool-Newcastle, let's crack into it then. Um, we've actually got five games in 14 days when we get back. Um, and I want to talk about... Um, those, uh, and another two games, uh, which will take us through to October the 5th, and uh, then there's another pesky international break. So we've got five games in 14 days when we get back, four of them are away from home. Um, My question, I'm going to stay with you, Brian, For that Newcastle game, is it worth resting anyone, you know, especially the players who have been away on international duty, uh, would you say? Would you rest anybody? Because then after Newcastle, we've got Napoli away. Uh, Our Brazilians, by the way, for example, will have been to Florida and then California in their international break. It's, it's a very, very long way to travel. Would you rest anybody, Brian? Yeah, I mean,
0: I was looking at the fixtures and I, I suppose you could... I, I think you could You could separate them into two blocks. You've got the first block, which is Newcastle uh, at home, Napoli away, Chelsea away. And then the following three are MK Dons, Sheffield United and RBS. Um, so I'd, I'd argue that the, the first three... you know, really important because it's important to kind of carry on where we left off with Newcastle and not drop any points. And um, I would rest Bobby most likely because I I think he played a full, close to a full 90 uh, in their first game against Colombia. Uh, I think he was subbed off on the 83rd minute. I didn't see the game. I just seen Neymar's face smash into, a, <laughs> smash into a side advertising board. But it looked a bit tasty. But then I looked at the stats and there was no yellow cards or, or red cards in that game. So I don't know what kind of game it was. But uh, I'm hoping the Brazilian manager doesn't play him two games running for like two friendlies. Because that would be, yeah, that, that'd be annoying. Uh, but Fabinho didn't play uh, that game. And so, even if he did play on the Wednesday, I think he should be able to manage another game. um, uh, On uh, is it Saturday we're playing or Sunday? I'm I'm not sure. Um, And I would just kind of uh, put all my eggs in in the one basket in regards to these first three games, because yeah, I mean it's critically important we get points in Newcastle. Napoli away is our most difficult european game this year that if we get i think if we get anything at that game uh we're 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 pretty set up to to, to win the group thereafter and then chelsea you know the following week um so yeah i mean I, the only person i would to answer the original question the only person i would i would absolutely rest
1: is bobby i wouldn't i wouldn't play him for newcastle well it's a wonderful answer very good reasoning um what's your take on it karen would you agree with brian there
2: yeah, I think it's a great idea to divide these uh, next seven matches into two blocks or two groups because the first three are very important. Um, and the next two are uh, easy wins, but if you play a really good team. And uh, the next two are equally important because Leicester are third or fourth something in the league um, and they have good fixtures. So I think they're going to stick around third, fourth, fifth something. Um, so it's going to be an interesting tie, even though we play at home. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, like I said, like, uh, Brand said, we can rest Bobby, uh, against Newcastle because he played 83 minutes against Colombia, and he's likely to feature, um, in the next game as well. I'm assuming that he's going to play the second half, probably about, uh, last 30 minutes or something. Um, and that should give him enough rest, but still I wouldn't take a chance, uh, with Bobby and give him a break. Uh, and against Newcastle, probably in the second half we can introduce him on the pitch. And since Sadio and Salah are not uh, on international duties, as well as Shakiri, I think these three would be our uh, front three for Newcastle game. And we can bring Bobby on and sub Shakiri off. Um, and in that way, you can rotate a midfield as well. So um, also Henderson is playing uh, in the national break. He played against um, Bulgaria and also. Uh, I'm assuming that he's going to uh, line up in the next game as well. So, thinking about that, I think we should rest Steven Henderson um, to give him a little breather. But if he feels okay and he's uh, fit and fresh enough, then um, yeah, he can even start against Newcastle. I think I'm going to wait for what kind of lineup Klopp is thinking because he knows that um, which players would probably play in the international break. For example, Jeannie and Van Dijk and possibly even Gomez or Trent, someone. So he's going to think how many minutes are they getting in the national break and how many days would they have to train. So he's going to take a call at the last moment. Um, but if I if I were the manager, I would rest Bobby for the first half against Newcastle and bring him on in second. Um, so we can win all the three points in that game. And I think we should go all-in against Napoli because... The, if, it's the first big game of the Champions League. And if you win that away game, it's going to be a big boost for us because, uh, first of all, it's going to be a revenge uh, game for us because we lost there last time. And this time, if you win there with a solid performance, we can carry on against Chelsea as well. So I think we can have a strong lineup in these three games and uh, rest few players for MK Dons and Sheffield United game and they'll bring back on the first team for RBS and Leicester.
1: Uh, another very good answer. I've got to say I disagree with you about your Henderson shout simply because England are playing, you know, two games at home. They've already played Bulgaria and they're going to play uh, Kosovo, who are actually quite a good team by the way they're they're unbeaten in their four matches so far Um, and I believe as a team they're only three years old you know only recognised by UEFA three years ago so I think Kosovo would be quite a difficult match but both of them are in England both of those games are in England compared to the uh, other uh matches which are which are far away for the Brazilian team, for example uh, and um also you know Henderson grew up a sunderland fan, and he's just i don't know he's got this extra sort of bite in his game when when he plays against Newcastle, but that's just you know that's just the other side of that. Coin, but no, it's a very, very good argument uh, that you put forward to, you know, like Brian says, but you know, separate them into blocks. Very good idea. Um, so it starts with Newcastle, just staying with them for a little while. Brian, um, I tweeted when, um, or retweeted a lovely photo I saw when Steve Bruce took over from Rafa Benitez. Somebody photoshopped his face as a sort of cabbage. And, um, it was. It sort of summed it up beautifully. And then Newcastle lost their first two games against Arsenal. Then they lost against Norwich, the pookie party. But since then, they've beaten Spurs away. And then they've drawn with Leicester. And then drawn in their last match, 1-1 with Watford. They're, they're a weird team. And the cabbage man, he's fighting back. What do you make of them so far, Brian?
0: Uh... Uh, honestly, I have no clue how to answer that
1: question. <laughs> That's fine. That's good. It's good to be honest. You haven't seen any of their games? or No, I have. I have seen them. And, uh, you know, you would, you would expect them to be in free
0: fall this season because they're not a happy bunch up there. Uh, you know, haven't haven't gone through a breakup with Rafa myself, you know, and listened to sad records for years afterwards, <laughs> I don't know how they're handling <laughs> steepers. In many ways, Newcastle, uh, mirroring what happened to us thereafter, we, we we had uh, I don't know, was it Hodgson straight away? I, I, I can't remember.
1: Yeah, it was Hodgson, wasn't it? That's a very good question. I've, I've, I've blanked it out as well, but yes, it was, it was, it was from Benitez to, to Hodgson. I mean, you know, from uh, from cheese to chalk or you know, something like that.
0: Yeah, it was so bad, and uh, and it's similar with uh, with Steve Bruce. I mean, yeah, I mean. So, yeah, so, so to answer the question, I was surprised. I didn't think that they would do as well as they have done.
1: And is Shaq the man, staying with you, Brian, is Shaq the man to break down that you know, super defensive team?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's, an, that's, a, that's another thing that, you know, we can't just keep rolling out our strongest eleven or close to it um, every single week. We, we've got a squad of players and some really good players, who he'll need uh, game time this season, and uh, I think Newcastle's one of those games where you could perhaps afford to drop uh, one or two of your absolute top eleven um, and give uh, give some some players game time and, and slowly bring them back into the fold, but I wouldn't drop any more than two. Uh, against him, so Sha- I I love Shaq I mean, Shaq when he was when he was on form, brilliant, and, and he's got a great eye for a, for a pass as well. Um, so yeah, I'd be happy to see him. Uh, he, he I don't think he's lost his fitness. I think he's he's played well for. Uh, did he play for Switzerland uh, over the weekend?
1: He didn't actually. He's. He... That's a curious thing. It's quite interesting. He stayed behind, deliberately pulled out of international duty. And, uh, you know, the, it could be, you know, just to f- work on his fitness and training to try and force his way into the Liverpool team. It's quite an interesting choice. And I wonder if maybe he should be rewarded for that by a, you know, by a place in the team or, you know, at least some minutes off the bench. Uh, you know, now that you mention it, I think I read something
0: uh, somewhere else uh, possibly from a City player, saying that he would uh, drop the captaincy and give it to Shaq if it meant him playing. So I think he was trying to paint a picture that Shaq was basically throwing his toys out of the pram because he didn't get made captain, which, uh, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make any difference to me either way. I mean, I think at his age, I think that would be a smart move to, to step back from international football um, because I don't think, Switzerland are going to. I mean, a great team over the years, but I don't think they're going to be pulling up any trees over the next six to eight years. Uh, so, in order to prolong his club career, I think it wouldn't be the worst idea to 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 step up, step away from uh, international football if he could. Um, but yeah, no, I'd be really happy to see him uh, in the team. I think he he normally keeps himself in reasonably good shape, so I mean, I think he could probably walk straight back into the into the team.
1: Yeah, well, good answer. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I do like Shack as well, and I and I especially love his his seeming attitude when he's on the bench. You know, I mean, you see him when the team scores, but he's not even playing. He's celebrating and he's running around, and he seems like a uh, you know the, his heart's really with the team, and that's a. That's a very, very useful thing and that's something that I'm sure Jürgen Klopp insists upon. Um, Karen, what do you make of Newcastle in general, their weird start to the season?
2: Uh, I think they played really well in the opening game against Arsenal. They could have won the game had they converted the chances. Um, But then the level sort of dropped and then they picked it up against uh, Tottenham and I think they've kind of uh, kept it consistent in the other two games. But I think um, they are a very confusing side. I mean, you can never predict what's going to happen uh, when they play. So, um, but they're coming to Anfield, and I think um, Newcastle's defensive setup is completely different to how Arsenal was set up uh, when they when they came to Anfield. Um, and it was it was easy to score against Arsenal because what happened. Um, like Klopp's tactics were in such a way that he he encouraged the fullbacks to disorganize the Arsenal back line by dragging the centre-backs out of position. And that made a lot of space for Salah Mane and Firmino you know, to just like slot into those positions and play quick passes and you know uh, all those things and uh, cross the balls and uh, try to create chances in that way. Um, and Trent had the most crosses in that game. So that was only possible by dragging the fullbacks out and the center back splitting them. So I think we can employ a similar approach against Newcastle. But although they are defensively strong uh, than Arsenal, what I mean by that is when they uh, set up 10 players against us um, to defend their, in their own half line, they are more strong than Arsenal, I believe. So I think um, we, we can aim to deliver crosses in the first half, and uh, sort of create chances that way, and in the second half, just open them up by tracking the fullbacks and the center backs. I think I would approach that way, but um, I'm curious to see how Klopp uh, will tactically plan this out and what's gonna what the lineup is gonna be. And if he's really planning to pull the fullbacks out, I think Divo Correia should be the man uh, stepping up in place of Bobby, and he can play out wide. Salah on top and my on the right hand side, of everything. and drag the fullbacks out that way and create chances um, and in the midfield I think anyone would do, Milner, Henderson, Genie, Fabinho, anyone or Slade, anyone will be uh, is fine by me. So I think it's it's going to be a really interesting match uh, but we won't be on a route but I think it will be a comfortable win. Uh, we
1: certainly have options, don't we? Um what would you do in terms of a line up, Brian? So so you know, is this it's in terms of the back, no changes at the back, right? I mean you Adrian, Trent, Robbo, Virgil, Matip, and then, you know, the same midfield three, and then maybe what? Shaq, Mo and and and, and Manet starting, is that right?
0: I would I tend to agree with you with, with Henderson, um, because the you know, the English games are were at home and uh and yeah, being a being a Sunderland lad, he'll definitely have an extra more bite for that game. So I'd definitely play him. I would go with the normal the normal side, with the exception of Bobby. I'd play, oh, oh, you know, I mean, the, the other option, instead of Shaq, we, we could also play Origi uh, on the left. Uh, sorry, no, wait there. Origi, <laughs> maybe Origi up front, Mane on the left and Salah on the right, or, you know, whatever combination of those three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I I would if I was going to make changes, I'd just make one, possibly two changes, uh, and those one of the changes would be Bobby for sure, and then maybe uh, one other um, in the opposed to the usual lineup. I wouldn't rush Allison back, regardless. I mean, I don't know what the latest is on his injury. I, I, I'm assuming if everything's going swimmingly well, that in the next two to three two weeks he he'd be possibly ready for consideration for the team. But uh, uh, with those kind of injuries, it's, I think it's better to kind of take your time with them as, as much as if you can. And I think Adrian is doing such a good job so far. I think the last game, he looked, he looked really good to me. Um, so, yeah, I just, yeah, keep it as is. I would go as, as strong as I possibly could. I, I forgot, actually, that the Newcastle, Newcastle game was at home. So, I mean, that makes that changes things i mean it's uh yeah i can see i mean they're gonna, they're gonna i think they're just gonna sit back they're gonna go they're gonna drop deep i mean steve bruce is no no pep guardiola he's not known for his uh his amazing tactics um and uh i, I think we're just gonna have to break him down you know um so
1: yeah no you're absolutely right yeah it's it's uh yeah, Steve Bruce, not exactly Pep Guardiola. You could you could suggest that Brian, that would not be the most controversial thing. Uh but yes. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I was just looking at the last time we played them. Um, the last time we played them they was uh, when they had Benitez, of course. That was last year. It was actually boxing, the Boxing Day game, in case you can't remember. Um, listeners, we had uh, Allison in goal. We had Trent, Lovren, Van Dyke, and Robertson. Uh, we actually played 4 2 3 1 that day. There was no Fabinho in the starting lineup, but Vianaldo and Henderson in the two holding roles. And then the three in front of them Manny on the left, Mino. And Shakiri who started on the right, and Salah up front. Um, and, yeah, Newcastle played a 5-4-1 formation and got absolutely tonked 4-0. So um, you know, more of the same would be lovely. Very interesting. To you know, just before we move on from Shaqiri, uh, who scored dot com gave him a rating of six point seven one, despite the fact that he scored in that game. Whereas uh, Sofa Score, different app, but talking about exactly the same game, or different website, but talking about exactly the same game, uh, Sofa Score gave him man of the match. So who knows? They gave him about eight point five. Uh, so who knows but yes Newcastle United's last match was 1-1 against Watford they played a 5-4-1 as has been mentioned with you know more or less the same players a few changes their their big expensive striker Joe Linton who was very much an isolated figure but uh, you know he did very well in uh, what ended up being Javi Gracia's last match for Watford because he's been sacked but let's uh, let's move on to you know the game after that for Liverpool after Newcastle uh, on Tuesday night, Napoli away. I still don't know where it is. I think it might be in Bologna. But anyway, Napoli have played two competitive fixtures this season in Serie A. They beat Fiorentina 4-3 in their opening match and then they lost to Juve away 4-3. Wow. So they've conceded uh, seven goals in two games and you would think wow surely Koulibaly that wonderful defender we saw last year didn't play but he did he played in both of those matches Um, so I don't know they look a bit dodgy defensively it could be could play into our hands Um, but it's very exciting to be back in the Champions League isn't it Karen and uh, I don't know how you feel but I'm still just really happy that we're there. Never mind the fact that we're European champions. But, you know, it wasn't very long ago that Klopp took over and the idea of getting into the Champions League uh, seemed a very sort of, you know, difficult, tricky, taxing one. So, you know, it's very, it's very nice to be back in the Champions League and how much you're looking forward to Napoli. And are you confident, as you usually are, of a Reds victory?
2: It's always nice to be back in the Champions League and uh, there's a saying that Champions League isn't complete without Liverpool. So it's a great feeling to be back in the Champions League every season and that's one of the achievements on the club that he's brought Liverpool back into that map again. And Team us. I think it's an incredible achievement. Um, and also speaking of the Napoli game, it's going to be a very competitive game in my opinion. I, I won't revenge so badly is uh, we lost uh, the same fixture last season. And uh, it will be uh, an amazing feeling to get revenge. Um, and as you've mentioned, they've played two competitive fixtures uh, so far this season, scoring seven and uh, conceding seven. So um, they're defensively, they're also sloppy, but they're also good attacking-wise. So um, it's going to be unpredictable, but I'm confident that uh, the Reds will... Uh, to win win this game, uh, it will be a comfortable win, but it will be a hard fought win, like two one or something like that. Um, but I think we we are going for the three points this time.
1: Excellent. Would you? Uh, yeah. What about you, Brian? What, how how happy are you about Napoli? What's your assessment of the situation?
0: <laughs> um, you know, brilliant. Bring them on. I, I, I'm, we have nothing to fear from Napoli. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, there's a lot tougher games that we could have had this early on. They, I'm not that particularly worried about them. I mean, the only consideration I think Trent will probably need some help down the right because I think In Insignia uh, is I don't know how to pronounce his name properly, but I think he plays down his down his flank. He just looks dangerous. He looks so dangerous, and he and he, he seemed to in preseason anyway. I, I'm sure we played them, but if he seems to have Trent's number. Um, so he's the one player I I pick I pick out that could cause us some problems if we don't um pay particular attention to him and uh and not allow him uh the space to just run through us. Um but other than that, I mean, you know, I, I, I I think with these games, you, you, you go there and you, you know you hope for the best, you hope that we're set up well and we give them a good game. I think everything goes as we expect it to go. I would be surprised if we don't walk away with at least a point, but you know we'll have to see. Uh, I, but I'm looking forward to it. It's great. I mean, the other two games, I, I've got. I suspect they're going to end up to, not to be a bit non starters in the, in the greater scheme of things. Um, I'd be very, very surprised if either one of those teams give us a game. Um, so really, it boils down to uh, this Napoli away game and the and and the return leg at Anfield. So yeah, as I said earlier on, if we can go away with anything from this, I don't see them beating us at Anfield. Uh, I don't think we haven't lost a game there for what, two years, or I, I can't remember. I've lost track of how how many games we're unbeaten in Anfield in Europe now. I think also that will play into our hands because they will know uh, that you know if 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 they want to have any ambition of topping the group, then they're going to have to beat us at their home ground. So it should be a good game, actually. I think.
1: Yeah, it should be absolutely you know wonderful to watch, shouldn't it? Absolutely super. Uh, and that brings us on to our a match after that, which is against Chelsea. Yes, Frank Lampard's Chelsea is the next one. They've had a funny start to the season. Manchester United beat them 4 0 on the opening day. Then they played brilliantly in the Super Cup final against us. But unluckily for them, we're also brilliant and we beat them on penalties. Thanks to Sadio and Bobby's impact off the bench. Then they drew with Leicester one-one. Uh, then um, they they scraped past Norwich City three-two away, and then they uh, drew with Sheffield United two-two, having been 2 0 up. Now Chelsea, ooh, we're going to be it's going to be away for us after Napoli. Um, and Brian, I'm going to stay with you. Uh, it's going to be an intriguing one, but I'm actually more confident about going to Stamford Bridge than I have been uh, at any point that I can remember because I just don't think, apart from Kante, um, I don't think they're that good. I, I mean, I
0: don't like Chelsea. I really don't like Chelsea. I don't like everything about Chelsea. <laughs> so, And uh, I mean, I, I, I think, Frank Lampard has got them playing some reasonably attractive football. Uh, I mean, their defence is is a shocker, right? That that's there's an obvious weakness there that can be exploited. Um, I was I've been quite impressed with uh, Mason Mount. He has surprised me. He's quite a player. Um, and and Tammy, I, I was very happy to see him score, considering the, you know the 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 stick that he had to deal with online. Um, I, it's, I'm in a weird place with Chelsea because you know I've, I'm so comfortable hating them for so long, um, and then suddenly, I mean, Frank Lampard. I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if I should say this on a Liverpool podcast, but he always seems like a pretty sensible dude when he's on when he gives uh, interviews, and and so f- I like the way he, he he defended his player there a couple of weeks back, and apparently he's got the highest IQ in uh, in world football he's like 155 or something something like that um...
1: oh sorry you broke up there Brian i I, I... You broke up at the moment when you said he had the highest IQ in world football. And I think it might be the Chinese government interfering in our connection. And uh, the, those spies, because uh, you're in Hong Kong, they, they just they just can't can't agree with you on that one. Because, you know, come on, we've got Joel Matip, we've got, we've got Virgil, we've got Andy Robbo, all three of them, you know, geniuses. And, uh, you know, if they were on University Challenge, I would fancy this Liverpool team over Frank Lampard. Chelsea any day of the week but no yes I see what you mean he's he does come across as an intelligent guy Um, I don't know where all the hatred comes from really towards him from Liverpool fans because I don't remember him ever insulting us like Mourinho did for example when he was the manager of Chelsea and um, you know of course I'm with you though they're not a very likeable team they're only you know, famous because of their, you know, billionaire owner, and they've sort of bought this all of their success, haven't they? But they're having an intriguing season, Karen, aren't they? What do you think of their start?
2: Um, I think uh, even Lampard was uh, kind of assessing his squad in the first game against United. It's his first game. Um in the league as Chelsea manager, and he faces Manchester United, so um obviously, that game rules out um of you know saying that whether he's fit for the job or not. um, but then he sort of picked it up., uh, they played well, even in the super cup, I think they were they played really great. And I think he's picked it up from that uh, from that uh, from the United game, and I think they uh, they played well but they still have a lot of problems. I think they're over-relying on uh, their midfield or, or uh, either Pulisic or Mount or someone to deliver it for them. So I think um, if we, uh, when we face them at Stamford Bridge, it's gonna be midfield versus midfield that's gonna decide the game because if we may win the, the midfield uh, because they have Kante and uh, I think Kovacic is gonna start in Jorginho. So, um, if you win the midfield, I think the game is on us. Otherwise, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a very tough game because even though we are really uh, good defensively and uh, they are a bit sloppy, so, you know, you can just sort of uh, compare our defence to them. I know you can't even compare because we have an But I'm just saying that if you win midfield in that game, the game is totally under our control because um, Jorginho has the habit of, you know, Uh, napping in between, so if we we catch him napping in those moments, I think the game is truly ours. Uh, We're going to go on a route. And I'm really glad that Lampard is trusting youngsters with the likes of Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount. Um, Really glad that he's trusting them and I think that he's going to stick to those front three in his lineup throughout the season, uh, Pulisic, Mount and Abraham. Um, compared to that, I think our front three is far, far, far better. So I think it's very important to win the midfield in that game. We do that, the game is totally ours.
1: You're absolutely right to bring up the midfield battle. I mean, Kante is not, by the way, playing for France this international break. Um, I know he's had a bit of uh, muscle problems, um, you know, which is sad. You know, I hope he gets better. He might be a doubt, but he'll, he'll probably be back uh, for the game against us but uh, yes you're absolutely right that if we can stop mason mount with those dangerous forward runs then you know we should starve abraham of service we seem to be absolutely brilliant at that um after the chelsea match we go into the league cup the mk dons also away from home um here are some potential fringe players karen who could play uh shakiri Lalana Kelleher in goal, Rian Brewster, Origi, Curtis Jones, Hoover, Vandenberg, Dayan Lovren as well. Uh, Karen, who are you looking forward to seeing uh, in that match? I mean, you know, presumably most of those will actually play. But who who are you looking forward to seeing and why?
2: Uh, the first thing I'm really looking forward to is Kiana at uh, right back. Because I think he really should be given a chance to take the load of uh, trend because I think uh, both of them have uh, are quality players and uh, they can they can freely deputize each other in both the Premier League as well as the league cups and you know it, it, it gives strength a breather and if he's selected for the international duty also for example, then we have Kiana uh, to substitute him and I'm really confident about him because as we've seen in the preseason, um, he did a fantastic job and he really impressed me so if i'm uh trusting anyone in the right back position it's kiana and games like these it's not just an audition but it's like sort of a statement that uh the club, uh the manager can trust me so uh that's one thing and second thing is lana in number six position i know we've spoken often about this and also the possibility of Trent playing in the midfield Because as we've seen in, for example, in in the Burnley game, where usually Trent is always on the right flank, as we've seen in the last season, to deliver crosses and everything. But we've seen a sort of a transition that Henderson is uh, proceeding towards the right flank and Trent takes up the slot midfield. And um, so I'm really excited about that as well, if we can give Trent a chance to play in the midfield if possible. So... Um, that's another thing, and also um, Shakiri can play along. Uh, Curtis Jones Origi, Brewster. I think he's really is is uh, he has an eye for goal, and if given a chance, I think he can uh, develop his game. So I'm excited for Brewster as well. Um, Vandenberg, I haven't seen enough in the preseason, but uh, I think I've seen enough uh, that he can develop his game with the under twenty threes, and he can slowly transition that form uh, into the first team, so probably it will be a slow transition for him. Uh, We won't be rushing on him, but I think one or two games, every now and then, I think he will get a chance to feature for the first team. Um, And in goal, uh, we can give Kalaya a chance, but if Adrian fancies a chance, then sure, why not? We can, uh, you know, play either of those two. And Milner at left-back, I don't know why, but even though La is still there, and we can give him a chance as well. But I think we can use an experienced player um, in the heart of the defence, uh, even though we're going to play either Gomez or Van Dijk, Matic or someone, but someone in that area on the left flank, so that we can give Origi, or if you're playing Adam Lewis, or Shakiri or whoever's playing in the left side of the midfield, I think we can uh, we can link those three players up. So. I think for MK Dons, these would be my, uh, this would
1: be my pick. Well, that's an excellent answer,
2: Brian. What about you?
1: Who are you looking forward to seeing most, and how important is it that we get through this year into you know the later rounds of the League Cup? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that
0: game. Uh, I think we've got a lot of players that need game time. Uh, I mean, the, the most important players for me out of the fringe or the the, the, team, the players outside of the obvious. Uh, matchday squad are gomez kaita and brewster and i think anytime there's a game that comes up where the idea of rotation comes comes about those players should be given priority um because it's almost like brewster's on a promise um that he's going to get a considerable amount of game time this season and i don't it's games like these are, are the ones that are perfect for him and a season he was like with with the exception of uh uh elliot that new the new kid with the top knot um uh brewster really impressed me and i can see why people are are excited by him kaita i don't know what what the, what the latest is on his injury i'm just praying that he's getting almost back to full speed i think he's he's there or thereabouts of getting into full training left back is a is a is a problem for me I, or it's a it's a concern because uh, outside of Robertson, uh, we don't actually really have too many options. You know, people say Milner can go back in there again. Maybe, maybe he can. Who knows? But I'd like to see uh, one of the other players get a go there. Like, I don't know, Adam Lewis or LaRucci. Oh yeah. Yeah. He he looks okay. Uh, I'd like to see him again. Um, I mean, I, I in terms of the fringe players, I've broken it up the three areas. You've got I, my top Tier players outside would be Gomez, Kaita, and Brewster, and then next group would be Milner, Shakiri Lovren, Origi, Lalana, and then like the, the pure developmental players are Elliot, Adam Lewis, uh, Larucci, and uh, and Jones. Um, so I mean I think in these three games. Uh, A lot of them should be be used because NBK dance away. That shouldn't be, that should be okay, right? I would heavily rotate in that game. I would have a a good core of senior players in the team, but good rotation. And then you've got Sheffield uh, away. I would play close to full strength on on that because Sheffield like to play football and I've been pretty impressed with them so far this season um, maybe, maybe again one or two, one or two changes, and uh, RBS Home. I mean, I, I would rotate quite a bit for that. I don't know much about them, I'll be honest, uh, but I, I can't see them rocking up to Anfield under the lights and 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 given us too much uh, too much trouble. So those three games, I think, is is a really good opportunity for a lot of players outside of that team and to to get some play, game time, and for some of our our star players to get some well-known rests and at the end of those three uh games we've got Leicester uh at, at home so that's like we want our top our full strength team back back ready to go for that um so I'm looking forward to it I, I it's it's got to be interesting um I mean so in many ways I, li- I like these games even more because you it's it's a, <laughs> you never know what quite what's going to happen you know uh it's it's more interesting um You know, M.K. Don's away (laughs) as long as it's it's on the telly somewhere. It's fun to watch. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping he rotates heavily over the over the over the course of those three games. But we'll see. You you can never really pick a team except for like, you know, when when it's a big game or you you can pick the the, the Liverpool team. Most of it picks itself. The front three picks itself. The back, the back six, if you include um, Fabinho uh, in the holding uh, position kind of pick itself and, and the only two positions that we have to kinda of question uh most weeks is who's gonna play either side of Fabinho. But uh when these games come about then, you know, all bets are off. I mean you, I I don't I think it's very hard to predict what he's gonna go with. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see another option at left back as well because God forbid anything happens to Robinson, we're, we're going to be in a very sticky uh, position if if we if we lose him at any stage in the season.
1: Well, yes, you're right. Of course, unfortunately, we're still in this precarious position where one or two injuries could really set us back, and hopefully, that's not Robbo, Karen. Bringing, bringing us on to the next game is Sheffield United. And they're 10th in the table. don't know if you knew that. 1-1, one, one, drawn 2, lost 1. They will be at home. It's an early kickoff against us. But they are looking every bit the plucky underdog. My question to you is, will they bite
2: us on the bottom? Um, I think uh, it, 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 they won't trouble us. But I think they can play some really good football, as we've uh, seen since the start of the season. Um, The fight to hold a draw against Crystal Palace, as well as their comeback against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I think um, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm really glad with their development. Um, They've brought in some good players. And I think uh, it's going to be comfortable for us. We're at Anfield. And... uh, it's gonna be an amazing game. I don't, I don't see uh, any way that they can trouble us, but I think they're gonna set up defensively. That is what I'm guessing. But um, I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be a good game. I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, three points to us, obviously.
1: Mm, very interesting indeed. Yes, Sheffield United, Brian. What's your take on them? Have you seen much of them?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have, and. Uh... Yeah, I was, I was really surprised that they're, they're not, you know, I think a lot of the teams that have been that are coming up over the past few seasons have realized that the only way you stand any chance of surviving um, in the premiership is to come up with a with a footballing style and uh, to, not just to kind of sit back and soak it up and, and ho- hope to kind of. Uh, pick-up points here and there. Uh, so, yeah, they, I mean, they, they're a footballing side. They, they play some nice football, uh, quite dynamic. I think it's an away game. So um, that, that they're the classic banana skin team, right? So they've just been promoted. It, it, they're, it's reasonably early on in the season. I, I usually think it's that's the worst time to play these newly promoted teams because they haven't been... Uh, uh, beaten to death over the course of the season, with the uh, you know fans phoning in six oh six, demanding that the manager gets sacked because they haven't beat Manchester City away or something along those lines. So the, the spirits are up, the tails are up, and uh, um, if we don't have our game plan dialed down on point, then that could be a very very tricky game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I like. I like what I've seen so far, I think I've seen maybe two games of theirs, and the, the, from the from those two games, it looks like they like to keep the ball on the ground and play a, you know a, a short passing game. Um, so uh yeah, we'll see that that's out of all the fixtures uh, that's the one ironically I don't know if it's ironically or not, but that, that's the one actually really that kind of worries me the most. I'm not worried about Newcastle at home. I'm not particularly worried about Napoli away, I think we've got too much for Chelsea because, you know, they'll, have, they'll try and play us at, at a game of football and they'll lose. Um, MK Don's away, I mean, it's, that's straightforward. It's this uh, uh, Sheffield United away, I think that's, that's the one that potentially could, uh, if, if, if we take them for lightly, that's the one that can bite us in the ass and, and, uh, and, and serve up a nasty surprise.
1: Well, thank you very much. And that brings us to our last two games on this run. Um, We are finally back at Anfield. After four away games, we're going to play RBS. Not the Royal Bank of Scotland, but Red Bull Salzburg. Should be an easy three points, shouldn't it, Karen? Uh, And then, tricky, tricky Leicester. What do you make of these last two
2: games? the last two games uh red bull and leicester i think these are the two games that i'm really looking forward to the most after after chelsea game um the the reason is that um this uh, against red bull it will be a second Champions league game um and then we have leicester again at home so i think this this is the period where we can also establish a statement that we are gonna keep continuing winning games um and Also, it's going to be interesting because Leicester are a really good side uh, this season. Losing Maguire, uh, I thought that they would be uh, weak defensively, but um, they have a really good defender in the ranks. And I think he's doing really well. So uh, it's going to be a really good game. Um, I'm expecting uh, a tough challenge. So I'm really looking forward to both Red Bull and Leicester because uh, Red Bull tried to make a mark in the Champions League a few years ago, and uh, they 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 were knocked out. And they tried really hard to get back into it, and now they really have. So they're gonna, uh, you know, play their role. And I think uh, it's gonna be an amazing game. It's gonna be an entertainment, but it's it will be comfortable for us to win, but it will be entertaining. Is is what I predict. I'm really looking forward to these two games, especially these two.
1: Yeah, good answer. Yeah, that defender that you were talking about um, is called Soyunku. Sorry for the Turkish listeners, I can't pronounce it very well. But by all accounts, he started extremely well. I haven't paid too much attention to him because I've just been looking at their wonderful attacking players. Tielemans, Perez, Madison and Vardy. Brendan's got them purring. Uh, hasn't he, Brian? I mean, they're up to third in the table. Um, Of course, the last time we played them, it was a famously frustrating 1-1 draw at Anfield when that potato-faced fuckwit Harry Maguire cancelled out Sadio Mane's beautiful third-minute opener, and that was in the snow. I think we were done by the snow that weekend. Um, Of course, since then, Claude Puel has been replaced by Brendan... And, uh, yeah, they're going great guns. Brian, are you scared by Leicester City, the Foxes?
0: Yeah, no, I, I am scared about Leicester. I'm scared about Brendan. Uh, I'm scared about Vardy. I, I think, I, I, I think uh, Rogers is criminally underrated as a manager. I, I, I think he, his teams play very, very attractive, very smart football. Um, I always remember the first time I seen one of his teams play and it was like I think it was Swansea playing away at Arsenal and they out-Arsenaled Arsenal at the time. They just passed the ball around, small triangles Arsenal couldn't get anywhere near, they were chasing shadows the whole game um, and uh, Vardy you know, as as annoying as he is uh, I mean he's some player uh, the last game, I, I, I'm not sure I forget who they played against, he was just pulling balls out of the sky <laughs> like a magician. He's he's just so good. Uh, you don't want to give him too many chances because uh, he'll take them. Um, I mean, I think there's not a single team in world football that I don't think that we have too much for. You know, I think we, we stack up against you know, all, all teams, but Leicester, I mean, I've got this theory. I think, I think Rodgers is playing for the Chelsea job. I think he's got one eye on that Chelsea job. <laughs> That's his next big job. Uh, and uh, uh, and he's his uh, his challenge this season is to break into the top five or top six or uh, you, you know and uh, so far so good I mean from what I've seen of them they're they they're they're, uh, they're a good side um, and not to be taken lightly um, at, at Anfield I don't I can't see them I can't see them beating us but Vardy yeah. He's such a horrible player to play against, but you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly frightened by them. But again, you've got to take them very, very seriously because Brent, you know, Brenn will want to prove a point if he can. You know, Vardy thinks he's a big player, and he's he's not, <laughs> even though he's a good player. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> again, if you take them lightly, and and Harry Maguire, I mean, I mean, he's managed to make that other pub team look pretty good now when he's, uh, when he's gone into their defence. So, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty good player. It's amazing that they managed to replace him uh, so, uh, so well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lester's Leicester, always one of those games that, you know, you, you expect to win it, but it could give you problems. Um, and I, I, won't be, I won't be taking that game lightly. I'll, I imagine that won't be a pleasant match to watch.
1: Jamie Vardy, Yes! I was just looking at his birth date on Wikipedia, apparently he was born on the 11th of January 1987, making him 32, going on 33, and he's on fire, isn't he? He's doing very, very well, so we'll have to watch him, but hopefully, I am i mean, I'm confident about this time, because, you know, we'll play Fabinho this time, it won't be snowing, Um, You know, and if there's one thing this Liverpool team is good at, it's learning from the past. And we will have learned from that 1-1 draw. I can see us getting through. Uh, But thank you very much. That brings us to the end of that section when we talk about those seven games between those hideous, disgusting international breaks that seem to take forever. And we move on to more happy news, happy times, joyous frubbly, lovely, jubbly times because Virgil, the big Virg, has signed a new contract. He's signed on for another six years, so I hear. So this is supremely mm, delicious news, Brian. I mean, you know, the the tributes are going to come in from all corners of the world for this beautiful, wonderful defender because he is the best in the world. Isn't
0: he, it? Yeah, no, I mean, that guy, he's en route to having a statue in, uh, of his own soon. If, if not outside Liverpool, definitely outside a lot of people's back gardens, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he just he exudes hes everything you want in a defender. I think defenders, those, those absolute top defenders, it's, it's much about the aura that they have and, and the presence that they have. And you, you can't teach presence. You either have it or you don't. And he just exudes it you know in in spades and uh i mean i think uh if this is down to michael edwards it's just another example of how clever our transfer uh, policies have been i mean everybody in in the pundits world for the past two weeks have been uh Waxing lyrical and lauding about how smart Liverpool have been in the transfer market for the past two or three seasons, how you know pinpoint accurate we've been in terms of going for players and, and not signing other players if they're not available, and uh, I, I just I think it's the right thing to do, just to invest heavily. We've got this amazing squad now. We've got amazing first team. Um, pay them what the, what they what we need to pay them. Uh, that's that's uh, at market rate. And uh, I think, in the long run it it sends the right message, and it uh, it helps us um, hi, in, in, for our future recruitment um to get players like Mares, for example, who went to city. I mean he, he could well, he walks into pretty much every team outside of the top three, perhaps or top four in the league, and yet he was prepared to sign for city knowing there's a high chance that he's going to sit in the bench. Uh, because that that squad at the time anyway was just so stacked with talent. And the more Liverpool can replicate that and come closer to that, uh, the 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 easier it's going to be in 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 future years to sign those players that w- so we can our bench starts to starts to go up as well as just the the first team, but uh, yeah it's just a dream come true because I I remember when we were like trying to get them and if, it seemed like at one stage we'd shot ourselves in the foot you know I was thinking oh it's typical Liverpool you know s- spoke out of class now it's you know it's all over the internet and then there's legal wranglers uh, going on. Um, but, you know, that's the one thing. I, I mean, there's so many things I like about Klopp, but the, the biggest thing seems to be his attitude that he knows who he wants and that's who he goes after. And he's prepared to wait for them. I mean, he's, he, he's not going to take a, a, a another version of Virgil van Dijk because there isn't. There's nobody else out there that is even remotely like him. So, yeah, it just sends a huge signal to world football that Liverpool is now a destination club, not a not a stepping stone. That
1: is important, absolutely, I agree. Karen, what do you think? Big Verge, the monster, the colossus at the back, he signed on. Heaven knows how long he can go on for, because as Brian says, he's a unique player, he could go on forever. This is wonderful news, isn't it? How happy are you?
2: I think this is fantastic news. Um, you signed, Almost all are star players with new lucrative contracts, and I'm really glad that Van Dyke is has now joined, uh, has joined them. And having to see him play for Liverpool for six years or more, I think it's it's a fantastic idea. You'd you'd even start dreaming about it. Uh, what are we going to win like in the next six years or something? And I think with the signings we have made, uh, Salah, Mane, Firmino. These are the players that have taken the club to the next level and uh, Van Dyke is obviously one of them. He's the best in the world. And people were so obsessed uh, to dribble past him and all the desperate fans out there trying to prove that he has been dribbled past. And when he was finally dribbled uh, dribbled past, it felt like a World Cup because people were celebrating like it's a festival. So that is the benchmark that he said. That is the standard he said, not just for himself, but for all the defenders in the world. And he's like, uh, he's an example of what a defender should be. And I think he's, he's really proud of himself, of the long career he's had so far, and we're really proud to uh, finally get him.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right to bring that up, yeah, about Virgil being dribbled past. I mean, if you look at that video back again, you'll see that Pepe, it was much more of a kick and rush sort of scenario, but I mean, okay, I mean, I'll concede you call it dribbling past, but run that video on. He then slips and falls on his buttocks after Virgil has recovered superbly well so I mean you know nothing came of it and uh, you're absolutely right Cameron. this is how high the bar is set for the big Verge. he's out of this world he's a monster he's a monster we love him but that sort of brings us to the end of our chat I'm afraid gentlemen we're out of time for this week I want to just thank you so so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And thus, as the last ray of this episode's setting sun shines upon the mountains of your mind... Let me just say thank you so, so very much, your dear, crispy yet silky creme brulee, for listening. My name was Owen, thank you again, and this week I would like to leave you with some lovely words from the Latvian poet Visma Belsevica. Hardly a green, just a faint airborne premonition that soon a green-tinged mist will envelop, supple birches. The timorous northern love of the slow greening of birch trees. The waiting, the breathlessness, the almost choking tenderness. Unseen, unheard, the buds of birch unfurl. There's still a lull between the owl's moan and the lark's trill. It's still a black time, a pulsating streak between the white and the green. Not quite a green, just a faint airborne premonition.